Muhu, again and again, Divam, the heavenly planets, Devaha, the demigods, Prichyaja, giving up, Bhuvi, on the planet, I'm sorry, on the planet Earth, Chiduhu, wandered to see the extent of the disturbances, Alakshitaha, unseen by the demons. Translation and purport by Srila Prabhupada. So again, this is Hiranyakashipu's followers have now, what have they done? They followed his orders to do what? What did they do? They destroyed everything. Can you name some of the things they destroyed? Trees. Trees. Huh? Mountains. Mountains, yeah, okay. What else? Hmm? Temples. Fire everywhere, yeah. What else did they destroy? Sacrifices. Hmm? What else? All the deities, yes. What else? Cows. Remember, they killed the cows. Okay, they set fire to all the towns, the villages, the pasturing grounds, the fields, destroyed the temples, the deities, the cows, uh, all the yagyas, cut down all the trees, and the brahmanas, right. Okay. Translation. Thus disturbed again and again by the unnatural occurrences caused by the followers of Hiranyakashipu, all the people had to cease the activities of Vedic culture. Not receiving the results of yajna, the demigods also became disturbed. Now that was Hiranyakashipu's whole point. They left their residential quarters in the heavenly planets and, unobserved by the demons, began wandering on the planet Earth to see the disasters. Purport. As stated in Bhagavad Gita, the performance of yajna brings reciprocal good fortune for both the human beings and the demigods. When the performances of yajna were stopped by the disturbances of the demons, the demigods were naturally bereft of the results of yajna and hampered in executing their respective duties. Therefore, they came down to the planet Earth to see how people had become disturbed and to consider what to do. Evam viprakrite loke daitendra nu charayo muhu divam deva prachyajya bhuvirchurur charur alakshita. Thus disturbed again and again by the unnatural occurrences caused by the followers of Hiranyakashipu, all the people had to cease the activities of Vedic culture. Not receiving the results of yajna, the demigods also became disturbed. They left their residential quarters in the heavenly planets and unobserved by the demons began wandering on the planet Earth to see the disasters. So we have Dait Indra, Daitya Indra. So Hiranyakashipu is the Indra of the Daityas. And he's become practically the Indra of the universe. He's controlling everything. Only Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva are ahead of him. So this is what happens, huh? You're Indra, and yet somebody becomes Indra above you. Abrahma, Bhuvana, Loka, Punaravarti, Mamupecha, Punajana, 
Punarjanma Navijite. From Brahma's planet down to the lowest planet, they're all places of misery. They're all places of disturbance. You can become Indra and some Hiranyakashipu, thank you, will become a higher Indra and disturb you. And Indra and the demigods, they weren't able to counteract it. They had a higher force. But we find here also something very interesting, alakshitaha, unseen. The demigods were able to be unseen by Hiranyakashipu and the demons. So on the one hand, you could say the demons were higher. They became the Indra and they had the power to disturb the demigods. On the other hand, the demigods had something higher, that they could be unseen. They had some power still over the daiches. So these are the, uh, what we say, like struggles within the material world. Who is going to have the position? And in our own lives, right, we're going up and down. Who is, who is superior to whom in what? Now, when there's harmony, Prabhupada makes this point, then there's all good fortune. When the fields and the trees are flourishing, the cows are giving milk, there's performance of yajna, then human beings are benefited and the demigods are benefited. Actually, even the demons in the universe are benefited. Everyone is benefited. There becomes good fortune, for everyone. And that's what Krishna desires. Krishna desires that in this material world, that materially everything works properly, and spiritually everyone is coming to him. So that happens when there is the process of yajna. The main thing Hiranyakashipu is trying to disturb here is yajna. Why is yajna so important? Sarvagatam Brahma, Nityam Yajna Pratistitam. The Brahman, which is everywhere, is always situated in Yajna. You could say the essence of reality, of truth, is Yajna. By Yajna, we don't just mean that you make a pit and you light a fire. Yajna means voluntarily giving something to someone else. And therefore Krishna says to Brahma, I create, maintain, and destroy by penance only. We talk about the Sanatan Dharma of the living entity, Jivara Swarupaya Krishnara Nitya Dasha, Das, a servant. A servant is someone who gives. But even Krishna, Sarvagatam Brahma, the Brahman, the absolute truth, Nitya Yajna Pratistitam, is situated in sacrifice. Krishna is called the Yajna Purusha, the person of sacrifice. Krishna is also giving. He's giving everything. He's giving the light and the air and the water and everything. And here with the demigods, the human beings are giving Yajna to the demigods and the demigods are giving prosperity to the human beings. It's a reciprocation of giving. And when there's this reciprocation of giving voluntarily, out of affection and gratitude, then there's harmony. Actually, in the spiritual world, everyone is simply giving. There's no takers. Of course, if everyone is giving, everyone is also getting. 
but no one's in the mood of taking, whereas Hiranyakashipu doesn't want to give anything. He only wants to take. He does, not only does he not want to give, he wants to prevent anyone else from giving. He wants to destroy this reciprocal giving in the universe. And so in disharmony, everything is disturbed. And in this disharmony, the demigods become alakshitaha. They can't be seen. When there's stopping of this yagya, Hiranyakashipu disturbed everything so much that people started to think only about themselves. They gave up their Vedic culture, Prabhupada says here. They had to cease. What is Vedic culture based on? What is Dharma? Dharma is how am I going to give? How do I give? If I'm a Brahmana, I give knowledge. I protect knowledge. If I'm a Kshatriya, I protect the people, the citizens. If I'm a Vaisha, I protect the cows and the field, the natural resources. If I'm a Shudra, I protect the, the skills, the crafts, the entertainment. Everyone's giving something. But Hiranyakashipu took away everyone's sustenance. He destroyed the fruit, the vegetables, the grains, the cows. No one had anything left to give. And when no one can give anything, people start then thinking just about themselves. They just start thinking, how am I going to get food for tomorrow? Because there was no food. Then the demigods become unseen. The higher entities, the higher principles in the unit, you can't see them anymore. People are fighting with each other. And if we want to restore harmony, if we want again to see the higher beings, then we have to restore yagya. We have to restore sacrifice. The all-pervading transcendence is eternally situated in acts of sacrifice. Of course, we're not so interested just in seeing the demigods. One time, one young man asked Srila Prabhupada, I think this was in Japan, have you ever seen the demigods? And Prabhupada just blasted him. You know, in the fourth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, in the purport to Tadvadi Praniprasthena, Praniprasthena Seveya Prashna, one should ask questions. In that purport, Prabhupada says, blind following and absurd inquiries are condemned. So Prabhupada told this boy, you're asking a foolish question. Have I ever seen the demigods? He said, how will this profit you? If I say I have seen Indra, Chandra, what will you gain? And if I haven't seen, what will you lose? He said, better ask, have you seen Krishna? So we were there with Srila Prabhupada in the airport in New York when one reporter was pressing, from what age did you realize God? From what age did you realize God? Prabhupada said, I've always seen Krishna. And the reporter says, no, no, but starting at what age? And Prabhupada kept saying, my whole life I have always been Krishna conscious. And the reporter kept pressing, pressing, and then Prabhupada said, oh, if I'm going to say from the age, maybe four or five years. So we want to see Krishna. So in order to see Krishna, one also has to be in harmony. 
In the chapter on the Rasa Dance in the Krishna book, Prabhupada says that Krishna is dancing and the living entities are also dancing. But we want to dance with Krishna, not uh, by ourselves or with any other being. We would all like to see Krishna. Everybody here would like to see Krishna? Yes? Who would like to see Krishna? Yes. Well, it's interesting, he's everywhere. He's in the atom, he's everywhere. And Ishwara Sarvabhutanam, he's in our heart. One time Mahaprabhu was asking, where is Krishna? And his friend Gadadhar Pandit said, he's in your heart. And Mahaprabhu started scratching his chest <laughs> to get to the heart. And his mother was very disturbed. And then Gadadhar Pandit says, no, no, Krishna's coming, Krishna's coming. So Krishna's in our heart. He's in every atom. But Maya Sarvam Jagat Avyakta Murti. We don't see him. We don't see him. It seems to us that he's hiding. Mata paratram nanyat kinchirasti janandaya mai sarvam idam protam sutre mani gana iva. Like if you have money, you have not money, money. If you have pearls on a thread, you don't see the thread. You only see the pearls. So we look at the world, we see pillars and ceilings, and, but we don't see Krishna. Even maybe we look at the deities and we, don't, we see there's a, a carving, a statue. We don't see Krishna. We look at the painting. Oh, there's paint. We don't see Krishna. But why don't we see Krishna? Because we are out of harmony. Because we are out of harmony. We have to say, there's a little, this is, I'm sorry to say this. Please don't be offended. But there's a little Hiranyakashipu also in our heart. Maybe not your heart, but at least in my heart. Maybe you are all seeing Krishna. But if we are not seeing Krishna, this means there's a Hiranyakashipu in the heart who's saying, tear down the trees, burn the villages. <laughs> Stop the yagyas. Therefore, just like the devas became Alakshita, Krishna becomes Alakshita. We can no longer see him. Actually, he wants to be seen. He wants to be seen and he wants to see us. But when we are out of harmony, then he doesn't really want to see us so much anymore. He wants to see us, but he doesn't want to see us. Like I know one lady where her son became an addict, a drug addict, heroin addict. So she does not let him into her house. Why? What will he do if he goes in the house? He will steal. So he can buy his drugs. So she loves him. Does she want him to come in the house? Yes. But not to steal. So Krishna wants to manifest himself in our heart, but not if we are going to steal. The material world is based on taking instead of giving. Ishwaram ambogi, I am the enjoyer, instead of Bhoktiram Yagatapasam, that Krishna is the enjoyer. If we do not see Krishna, we can understand by this symptom that our life is out of harmony. Just like if you have some disease, you go to the doctor and you have some symptom. Right? My nose is running, I'm coughing, I have a fever. 
oh, this is a symptom of this disease. So if we cannot see Krishna, that means we are out of harmony. That means we are no longer in the mood of yajna. Sarvagatam Brahman. Nityam yajna pratistita. Where there is yajna, there is God. So how do we get back into harmony? Here we're talking about the universe being out of harmony, but our body is another little universe. Actually, in the second canto, where the universe is described and it talks about the shashumna in the universe, but there's also a shashumna in our own body. Our body is a little microcosm. If we want harmony in our own little universe, so that Krishna manifests. Then we have to engage in yajna. We have to get back in this mood of giving, and giving properly, giving to the yajna purusha. We're already giving, actually. Even Hiranyakashipu was giving. He was just giving to his lust, anger, envy, greed, and illusion. You cannot stop giving, but that's not proper yajna. So we want to give to the proper person in the proper mood. The proper things. So there's a yagya, of course, of the body. If we analyze the 64 angas of bhakti that Rupa Goswami gives, some of them have to do with the with the body, offering obeisances, right? And of course, the main yagya we are doing is the sankirtan yagya, where we come together and chant the holy name of the Lord. So that is done, of course, with the body and also with the speech. But body, we cleanse the temple. We decorate the deity. We do some service for the Lord and for the Lord's devotees. And the yagya of speech, of course, speech you could say is also part of the body. So the sankirtan yagya, we're dancing with the body and we're singing with the mouth. Prabhupada told us in 1974 when we were sitting in his room. He said, "Chanting and dancing are symptoms of loving Krishna." And Rupa Goswami talks about attaining bhava uh, by one girl. She danced all night to attain bhava. So this is yajna of the body to dance for the Lord, to offer obeisances to the Lord, to offer obeisances to the devotees, to do services for the Lord, to cook for the Lord, to make garlands for the Lord. Whatever we are doing with our body in our ordinary life, to offer that in yajna. Right, yatkaroshi yadagnasi yatahosi didasi yatyatapasasi kunte yatatkarishvamararpanam. And the verse Prabhupada has been quoting over and over again in these purports: Yagnar tat kamino natra loko yam karma bandana tatartam karma kunteya mukta sangha samatra. So whatever we are doing, whatever our job is, our occupation is, whatever we are doing in our home, at our work, at our school, we offer that also to Krishna. That is the yajna of the body. Speech, chanting, mostly speech, chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, japa, kirtan, and talking about Krishna, talking about how wonderful Krishna is. That's not difficult. Krishna is wonderful in so many ways. Generally, people are talking about how wonderful they are, or how wonderful someone else in the world is, or how wonderful their family members are. So to speak about how wonderful Krishna is, speak about Krishna's philosophy, Krishna's qualities, and then 
the yajna of the mind. So the mind has thinking, feeling, and willing. Actually, just the yajna of the body and the speech is not enough. If we want to see Krishna, if we want to get back in harmony with Krishna, anushilanam, Rupa Goswami says, and shilanam is true, internal and external. Prabhupada translates bhakti as devotional service, not just service. Like the wife can cook and the servant can cook, but the servant is cooking for pay. The wife is cooking, hopefully, for love. Same activity, but the mood is different. And just love without action is also useless. You know, if the husband says, oh, I love you, dear, I love you, dear, and he simply sits in his chair watching the television, he doesn't make any money, what is the use of such a person? So bhakti means both, action and and emotion, devotional service. So the yajna of the mind, mind is thinking, feeling, willing. So thinking about Krishna. In fact, Rupa Goswami says this, thinking about Krishna, is the whole essence of sadhana bhakti. Vaidhi sadhana bhakti, he says, begins with thinking about Krishna. That's the beginning for the neophyte. Please don't think, first I have to become purified by something else, and then I can think of Krishna. That's gyan-covered bhakti. Maharaj has been talking a lot about karma-covered bhakti, but there's also gyan-covered bhakti. First, let me perform austerities and this and that, and then I can think of Krishna. No. Vaidhi sadhana starts with thinking of Krishna. That's a yajna. That's a sacrifice. We want to think of so many other things. What will I eat today? What will I wear today? How will I get money? How will I, this person said something bad about me. How will I counteract it? Right? That's what we want to think about. Instead, we do the yoga. Let me think about Krishna. Instead of what am I doing, what will I do today? What is Krishna doing? Krishna is dancing on Kali. He's lifting Govardhan Hill. He's fighting with Kamsa. He's playing his flute. He's stealing the butter. All these are meant so we will think of Krishna. Think of Krishna's name. Think of Krishna's form. Think of Krishna's qualities. It's so easy to think of Krishna's qualities. And think of Krishna's pastimes. Think of Krishna's philosophy. Think of how you will serve Krishna. Think of the mission of Mahaprabhu. Then the mind is also feeling. Ultimately, we want to come to bhav, to emotion for Krishna. This Hare Krishna movement is all about bringing out our love for Krishna. Maya Shakta Manapartha. Have our mind think of Krishna, manmana bhavamad bhakto, but how? A shakti with attachment. Attachment means a feeling. So this is the biggest sacrifice, to give our emotions to Krishna. We may be willing to give our body to Krishna, our money to Krishna, to talk about Krishna. Harder is to give our thinking to Krishna. Harder is to give our feelings to Krishna. Our attachments. When the residents of Vrindavan saw Krishna in the coils of Kaliya, they almost died because they had invested everything in Krishna. What are we invested in? Our home, our family, our bank account, the files on our computer. What are we invested in? This body? What would devastate us to lose 
That tells us what is our investment. And therefore, yam yam vapis ram bhavam at the time of death, we'll try to take our investment with us. And that indicates where we have really given our yagya. Where, where, what, what fire have I been pouring all my sacrificial offerings to? We used to do a drama, the wrong bank account, that the man his whole life, he's putting money in the bank, and when he wants to retire, there's no money. He was putting it in someone else's account. <laughs> so where are we putting our sacrifice? Into this body? This body is not ours. We'll leave it. And the body will belong to the fire. And then to the river. Or if we die in the woods, it will belong to the dogs. Are we sacrificing for our mind? That will also, it's not me. For my family? Where is our family from the last life that we sacrificed so much? In our last life, we had mother, father, husband, wife, sisters, brothers, children. We sacrificed so much. Where are they now? We will not take our money. We will not take our computer. We will not take our uh, alliances of friends. We will not take our university degrees. But Krishna goes with us from one body to another. He is our eternal friend. So this is the ultimate yagya, the sacrifice of the heart, of the emotions. And when that is done, when we actually sacrifice, oh no, there's one more. Thinking, feeling, and willing. Actually, that is the ultimate sacrifice. Because willing, we start to touch the soul. And the soul is will, the itcha our will. Krishna, whatever you want, I will do. And when we do all that sacrifice, then we will see Krishna. Because that is love. Love is demonstrated by sacrifice. When actually our body is offered in sacrifice, our speech in sacrifice, our thoughts in sacrifice, our emotions and our will, our very self, then in, the un in our own little universe, there will be complete harmony. Then we will find peace. And then we will see not only the demigods, of course Prabhupada could see the demigods. He would talk about in the kirtan, he would say, oh, don't you see Narada is there, Brahma's there? Not only will we see the demigods, we will see Krishna. And we will see Krishna always. And then we will get everything that we desire. Otherwise, if we get in this mood of Hiranyakashipu, let me be the taker, let me be the taker. Hiranyakashipu simply was filled with anxiety. Although he had everything and he was the ruler of everything, he still had to destroy the earth. He was always worried, maybe they'll rise again. Although Brahma had given him a benediction, still he was never peaceful. And then there will always be this jockeying for a position. Who is the Indra? Hey, Hiranyakashipu thinks he's the Daik Indra. He's the big Indra. 
but he cannot even see the demigods. And the demigods thought they are the big, and that Hiranyakashipu conquered them. So if we don't perform the sacrifice for Krishna, for Vishnu, then we'll be just going and coming, different bodies, sometimes a bug, sometimes a dog, sometimes an Indian, sometimes an American, sometimes a demigod, sometimes a this, sometimes a that, always trying to be supreme and never finding the real harmony that we seek. Questions, comments, additions, subtractions? Yes, please. Hmm. He said, why don't you ask them? Yes. Yes, actually he is taking lunch right now. I think it's 20 minutes to 12. No, after 12. 20 minutes after 12. Well, that's a good point because you cannot actually live without yajna. Because sarvagatam brahma nityam yajna pratistitam. Because the all-pervading truth is situated in yajna. Everybody has to be engaged in yajna. But your question, your question is, is it going to be transcendence, goodness, passion, or ignorance? So especially in chapters 14, 17, 18 in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is giving very clearly that different sacrifices in the modes and what is your destination. But if you, the intelligent person thinks, if I have to sacrifice anyway, I have to. It's my dharma to serve. There's no option. Two things you cannot change. Two things you have no choice. Anybody know what the two things you have no choice? We just said one of them. We must serve. We must give. We must sacrifice. Different words, same thing. You must serve. Serve means to give, to sacrifice. And you must exist. You cannot stop existing. If you kill the body, you still exist. If you merge in the Brahman, you still exist. So if I have to exist and I have to serve, why not serve in the best way? So they will get what they want. But it is something inferior. We're saying if, you, if you're going to do a, a yajna anyway, why not do the yajna for the right? Even materialistic people, they may not be lighting a fire. But they're, you know, working 12 hours a day to make money something. Something else? Ah, uh, yes. That's giving in the mode of passion. So the sacrifice, everyone is giving. Giving can't be stopped. But one has to give in the right way. Actually, we do want something back. We do want something back. But what is it? That's an interesting thing we could talk about. But what do the devotees want? The devotees want something. More bhakti, more, more giving, more opportunities to give. They want something. They want something. 
or what is uh, Mahaprabhu says? He says, Prema dana vina vyartha daridra jivana dasakori betan mori deha prema dana. So I'm sure my Bengali is terrible, but anyone know what betan means in Bengali? Salary. So Mahaprabhu says, Das kori betan mori. I want a job. I want a job as your servant and I want a salary. What does he want? Deha prema dana. What dana does he want? What wealth? Prema. So the devotees want something. They want love. Love means they want to give more. Uh, you're saying about the Christians are praying, give us this day our daily bread. And of course, Prabhupada will criticize that prayer. But uh, I've been reading of St. Teresa of Avila. This is not the Calcutta Teresa. This is a Teresa who lived in the time of Mahaprabhu. And her conclusion of give us this day our daily bread is very different. She said, Jesus would never have told us to pray for food. She said, this bread is actually very different. This is, this is the bread of love. This is the bread of loving service. That was her conclusion. And she said, this day means our, the day of our life. Give us in our life the, the, the actual nourishment of loving service. That was and she also, in talking about that, it's quite interesting, in Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread, the, uh, she was a Carmelite nun. The Carmelite nuns uh, took vows of, of course, celibacy and obedience and poverty. They were also vegetarians. And they have this, this kind of prasadam where they have this wafer, you know, and they say they're eating the body and the blood of Jesus, which is something like our idea of prasadam. And she talks about this bread. And she says, when you eat this holy bread, it's like the Lord is entering into your body and you should really meditate on receiving him nicely. He's become a guest and you should give him all attention and all purity of thought and heart. So when we take the, we're just about now to take prasadam. So we can think like that. Uh, taking prasadam is also a sacrifice. Okay. We think of offering the food to Krishna as a sacrifice, but also eating the prasadam. Eating the prasadam. What we should be sacrificing is a meditating on I am the belly. Normally when we eat, our meditation is I am the tongue in the belly. Instead, we can meditate this prasadam as Krishna. Prasadam is actually Krishna. And he's entering into me uh, to purify me. Let me receive him. Therefore, we say honoring prasadam. We don't say, now we're going to eat prasadam. We say, now we're going to honor this prasadam. And Krishna is manifesting. And just by taking prasadam, even without the proper consciousness, what to speak of in the proper consciousness, again, one will see Krishna. One will see Krishna. When we actually make our body and our mind in harmony and our heart in harmony, then even with prasadam, we will see Krishna. So now we can go and take prasadam. That's fine. The tendency yes. is deep rooted in the child. Ah. Uh, this tendency for asking. We can still ask. We don't have to stop asking. A very good point. This tendency for asking, it's there. We don't have to stop asking. We don't have to stop anything. 
We're not trying to stop anything, even asking. Oh, son of Maharaj Nanda, Krishna, I am your eternal servant, but somehow or other I've fallen into this ocean of birth and death. What are we asking? Please pick me up from this ocean of death and place me as one of the atoms at your lotus feet. Give me. Premana. It's asking. That's true. Ah, for relationship. Because really the essence of yajna is love. Thank you, all glories to Shri